everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fiking Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we're inching closer to WrestleMania. We are a little over three weeks away from the biggest show of the year going down over two nights from SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side this week is not my co-captain, Scott Young. He's taking the weekend off, but by my side this week is a great, special, honorary co-captain who's taken the spot this week to dive into the week that was in wwe he is going to read people in some cases for filth because that's what he do sometimes right here on the wrap but i am going to enjoy it i don't know who's going to take the shots but i am going to sit back relax and see if i can equal the shade joining me this week once again is jeremy finestone welcome back jeremy once again first mate finestone Filling in for the co-captain. I'm feeling pretty good about this. So, Keela, what do you want to talk about? Ooh, what do I want to talk about? So much to talk about. But before we get into the WWE-ness of it all, let's talk about Scott's second favorite subject on this show, which is the Western Conference standings for the NBA. <laughs> the NBA, can we? Not Tell me all about it. Tell me all about it. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeremy's going to pretend to care about this segment yes. and he's going to pick a team as a Fairweather fan and hi and ride that bandwagon into June. I think. No, <laughs> no, I won't do any of that, but for one night only, if you tell me this information and as I proxy for Scott, I will do my best. Okay. Cause, cause Scott would actually <laughs> be happy about this because for the first time, in this entire season, the Lakers are in the play-in position. They're in the ninth spot, 33 and 34. They've won three in a the row. They're seven and three in their last 10. And that's all without LeBron James, believe it or not. So, Scott, wherever you are right now, congratulations. You are in the play-in spot, the Warriors. I'm watching play on TV in real time on ABC against the Milwaukee Bucks, the 2021 NBA champions, and they're trailing right now, trying to get back in the game. And they're in the seventh spot, 34 and 33. They're five and five in their last 10, but they're on a three game losing streak because they suck on the road. But at Ouch. least, but at least they're in the play in position. I mean, okay. I have to, I have to check in about the, I, I don't follow basketball. So, I am from San Jose, so you need to tell me how the Warriors are doing, because that is that is my that is my native home team right now. Give me give me Warriors update, Keila. Okay, Warriors update. At home, they're great. Twenty seven and seven. On the road, they're shit. Seven and twenty six. Yikes. I watched them lose to the Lakers before I went to the Revolution show with uh, Garrett Gonzalez and a few other folks the other day uh, in that Twitter picture that made the rounds. But uh, it did not look like a promising uh, promising development for the Warriors as they lost to the Lakers last week. So uh, I, I feel like that is close but not good enough is, is a lot of the Warriors' motto this season. Yeah. It is definitely an off season for them. And I keep hoping that at some point between now and April, they'll wake up because I think at this point, they think that we can just wake up at any time, get into playoff mode, but the road record is horrendous and you cannot do that in the playoffs when you don't have home field advantage or home court advantage in the case of basketball. 
go get go with the word is it uh the the players, the coaches, the injuries, just bad luck. And is it the same with the Lakers? I would say it's a combination of injuries because Steph's been out a lot this year with some injuries. But I think, honestly speaking, when Draymond punched Jordan Poole in practice before the season That's started, right. they honestly bad vibes. The chemistry. Bad vibes they're on. The yeah, the vibrations were off. The chemistry Ugh. was no longer coming the way that it should have. And I don't care what they say. When you break that trust, and the video was leaked, someone had an agenda. All dynasties crumble eventually, but uh, hopefully, like everything, it will rebuild. Yes, hopefully. So I'm hoping they make the playoffs. The playing situation is very interesting. You got the Warriors, Timberwolves, Lakers, and Jazz in the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th spot. And as April rolls around, we'll see how it goes with the Lakers. Congrats, Scott. You're doing pretty good right now. We'll see how you hold up by this time next weekend. Everything's coming up, Scott, right now. Got to take the weekend off, hang out with the wife. Lakers are doing well. I mean... Damn, must be nice to be that guy right now. I hate him for that. LeBron's hurt and they're still winning and thriving. The trade deadline was successful. I'm envious. Like all of his plans and all of his talk is actually coming to fruition. I, I'm typically happy when good things happen to other people, but, you know, the Lakers. <laughs> No, we love Scott, and I'm going to do my best to to rep him hard tonight and make sure that uh, you all can't wait for him to come back next week. Oh, my gosh. Now, come on. Let's not lower the bar and say, well, Jeremy, screw this show up so badly. We cannot wait for Scott to return next week. No, we want you to do a good job. Under promise and over deliver. You always under promise and over deliver. <laughs> that sounds like an NXT special. Stand oh. and over deliver. <laughs> but he's going to try here today. Always, 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 always. Uh, All right. What, uh, what do you got for us? All right. So let's dive into Monday night. Raw going down this past Monday night. And it was going down live from the TD garden in Boston, Massachusetts sold out. John Cena moved a whole bunch of tickets. Didn't move the ratings that much. but still was number one on cable for Monday night, which is pretty impressive. So we're going to talk about, one of my favorite segments for Monday Night Raw involving one Logan Paul, Seth Rollins, and yes, even The Miz. So Scott gets love doubly on this show as The Miz actually was a decent moderator during this segment. But most importantly, Jeremy, Logan Paul, after fighting the fans for over a year, trying to be a babyface, trying to be the good guy, trying to kiss up to his hometown that also hated him, he has leaned in into being a heel and it's perfect. He was a great douchebag on Monday telling Seth Rollins in a crowd, you know what? We have a time limit for this segment. So can you stop singing to him? Because I got things to do, places to be. I love that because I always said this for Logan Paul. He is a great professional wrestler for his love of experience. The respect level is going to come for what you do in the ring, not so much what you are going to do as a character, as a baby face, because you ain't going to win him over. You're going to win him over by being a bad guy, but also working your ass off in the ring. And Seth was great having the crowd on his side. And despite the, how can I say this? There's a split audience with Seth as a baby face. It can be aggravating, annoying, or very endearing and entertaining. I'm on the latter side because if the fans are singing your music and they're rocking with you, 
You're doing something right. So therefore, the people in this case are correct. And I'm glad Seth is getting that love now because three years ago, he wasn't getting any of that. Just saying. So Seth was telling Logan Paul, you're a fraud. You're a liar. You're this. You're that. You're not one of us. You don't belong here. Get out of my house. And The Miz, during the pod, is trying to propose a match for WrestleMania. Noted matchmaker, The Miz. And Seth says, you can do that. Go right ahead. And he punks out The Miz once again. Logan Paul and Seth go at it for a bit. And Logan Paul is going to knock out Seth Rollins with one shot. Down goes Rollins. And then he tells Seth, maybe I'll see you at WrestleMania. Bye-bye, bitch. Drops the microphone. Gets great heel heat. Even gets a fuck you, Logan chant in Boston that was bleeped and drowned out by USA Network. That is impressive by today heat standards in WWE. But Jeremy, you're taking all of this, as I still say, the starting value for Logan Paul as Seth Rollins for night one at WrestleMania currently stands at five stars. Honestly, Logan Paul has figured it out and that he can be a pro wrestler and getting cheered will happen organically if he if he is believed by the audience to be the po- the pro wrestler fully instead of Logan Paul playing pro wrestler. Now, I'm still I'm a little foggy. Did Logan Paul do anything to Seth Rollins at the Royal Rumble or was it only at the Elimination Chamber? He eliminated Seth. Okay. That was an offense to Seth, apparently. But then he aggravated Seth at the Elimination Chamber even more. But that, okay. Because I'm trying to figure out why he's a coward, why he's a troll, why he's the scum of the earth, uh, why he's all these things. And frankly, Logan Paul's just living his best life. And Seth just happened to get in his way. There's an argument here that Seth is the heel. And Logan Paul is just doing his thing, even after the uh, the the meme tactic leap off the rope with Ricochet. He became an instant babyface with me. He became a babyface with me after that Roman Reigns match. You know, he could be a heel and still be a babyface to me. That that's how much I like seeing Logan Paul in the ring. There is just he is he is magnetic for me in a way that I'm just I enjoy seeing him do what he does. As it comes to Seth Rollins, however, I am in the camp of I find the shtick to be annoying. I find the song to be actually kind of charming and endearing and the and the crowd going with it. But his whole just glam tactic, I'm going nuts with the fashion. Uh that's always been heel heat for me, and I, I haven't enjoyed it. Uh when he gets serious and turns into Real Seth Rollins without the the Joker laugh and the the dipshit attitude, uh, that is a far more entertaining version of that wrestler to me. And so having that version versus Logan Paul is what I eventually hope that we get. But I don't know that we do. Uh, this is a classic case to me of parts of the build are not going to hit for me, but I do believe that when that match happens, it is going to be pretty damn tremendous. So, you know, put me in a thumbs up on the general. I've seen criticisms that the punch wasn't very good at the very end. And yeah, I don't think it had to be in a lot of ways, but the angle work, the people work, the story is, is going to work for the general crowd. But 
For me, I have a couple of questions. It doesn't matter that much. We're on the road to WrestleMania. Yeah, I got quibbles too. The punch was not perfect, but Seth sold his ass off, which makes him the professional that he is. He's going to sell a shit punch. And Logan Paul, as you said, figured it out like, okay, do I play babyface or do I want to be a babyface in the ring and get cheered accordingly? And that's his path to success because I can't take my eyes off of him anytime he wrestles because for a dude that is not experienced at this, he's damn good at it. And it's a flow to how he works is not practiced even though it's practiced if it makes sense there's a flow to him of how he does things it's instinctual he doesn't think about the moves he just does it and that impresses me all the time and that is rare for someone who is not a natural at this to actually be good at this that's where my respect level grows for him seth rollins polarizing character I kind of love him at this point the fashion game is insane he gets memed every week I can't help but like it, but he's make he but it, but for some reason he makes it work, and I have to say, good for you because that's not an easy thing to do to do the fashion gimmick to the hilt, be an outlandish babyface, cackle and laugh, turn it on when need be as a serious babyface, and still get over. So I like that he's able to do both and still get cheered loudly by the fans. Yeah, you know, one last thing I gotta add to all this. Tip of the cap to WWE for constantly finding celebrities that just managed to completely over-deliver when it comes to, you know, announcing Bad Bunny years ago is going to be doing a match at WrestleMania. Pat McAfee is going to wrestle Adam Cole at an NXT TakeOver. And then you got and you got this guy. And it's just one of those, like, my goodness gracious, we just need to trust WWE when they say they have a celebrity and this guy can go in the ring because, you know, they're they're hitting pretty solid batting average when it comes to the uh, the star power that should have no business in the ring, just completely surpassing expectations. Three unicorns in three years when you think about it, which is insane, really? and they're all good. Yeah, it's just it's unbelievable and. You know, we can start speculating on who is going to be the next one. Even Johnny Knoxville outkicked yes. his coverage last year. Yes. I he mean, was great. It's just, we, we laugh and we mock and we make these jokes about these celebrities and what we're going to get at these shows. But, you know, we can't really make the jokes after and we really haven't in a long time. No, and I think it's the difference where the celebrity that comes in, there's a respect level for professional wrestling that some celebrities don't have. You remember the guest host era of Monday Night Raw about 10 or 13 years ago? You can tell they were just there for the check. (laughs) Betty was fantastic. Bob Barker was amazing. Like people that sincerely cared, like Shaq, Snoop Dogg, for example. But he had the NASCAR drivers. Hugh Jackman, for example. He he was all in with uh, Zack Ryder. Yeah, so we appreciate the celebrities that come in and show love. Then we have the NASCAR drivers that don't care <laughs> as much. And they're there for the check. Or the A-Team movie that came out about 13 years ago. They're there for the check. So it's like you can tell the celebrities that have a sincere love for this and those who are there for promotional purposes. Yeah, and uh, it's just it's been delightful to see WrestleMania feel bigger and as much as these other companies have their thing WrestleMania is still the original granddaddy of these WrestleMania of, of these wrestling events and you know 
I don't think there's going to be any challengers to it as much as other companies want want to pose something out there. There's nothing quite like a WrestleMania. No, I think last year definitely changed that perception for years to come regarding the grandeur of WrestleMania. And this year is going to do the exact same thing, I do believe. As we segue to another talking segment on Monday Night Raw involving one, John Cena, one of the greatest to ever do it in WWE, ethering, destroying, maiming Austin Theory, (laughs) the United States champion on the microphone. He ate that man's lunch, dinner, dessert, and everything in between. And I laughed my ass off the entire time because Scott and I predicted this last week that this boy was going to go through it. And he almost called him the prototype. He almost went there. He didn't. But he just simply said that Austin Theory, sir, you're trying to offer me a match at WrestleMania for the United States Championship. Sweet offer, but it's not your gift to gift to me because I don't believe in you. These people don't believe in you. They don't care about you because you don't believe in you, sir, whatsoever. And he goes in on saying, hell, you were me 20 years ago. Ruthless aggression, wearing tights and a bad crew cut. And I almost lost my job. But look where I am now. Through the hustle, loyalty, respect, I am here. The people rock with me. They respect me. They love me through thick and thin. They don't care about you like that. And he doesn't want this match at WrestleMania. And Austin Theory goes in on Cena's middle bald spot that is growing ever more by the time we see him. But Cena is proud to show that off, saying, hey, you can't even get that shot off right either. So Theory says, yo, saying, never meet your heroes. They will always let you down. And then John Cena goes to the juggler, talking about the piped-in crowd noise because people don't care enough to boo you because you're not that good at your job. And besides, you are a dumb son of a bitch. I was trying to spare you from facing me at WrestleMania because win or lose, you will lose. If you beat me, you got to come out here the next night at WrestleMania and face the the most rough and toughest crowd of the year, the night after WrestleMania crowd. And you can't handle that without me by your side. And even if you lose, you still lose for obvious reasons. So he takes the match, tells Steer you have no heart, you have no soul, you have no guts, you ain't got nothing down here. And the jewel area punches him there in the sack and he walks away And I was just left in awe of how John Cena absolutely decimated this man on the microphone. And Fury had little to no answer, Jeremy. He finished him with a ball tap. (laughs) Finished him with a ball tap. Okay, so... Austin Theory, how do you book your way out of this? I mean... Does Austin Theory have to beat John Cena worse than Brock Lesnar beat John Cena at that SummerSlam a few years ago? Just beat him within an inch of his life? Because other than that, like, what do you do? Like, I'm asking you, what do you do here, (laughs) Kayla? Oh, that was an actual question? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Pray. That's what you do. I'm like... You tore him down more so than you tore down Roman Reigns five years ago on Monday Night Raw. That was a teardown. This was just a dude, you ain't shit promo, basically. And I don't think Austin Theory isn't shit. I think he's pretty good. 
I think his latest run as champion, the booking has been definitely a choice, but he's got something. And I always say back on his NXT days with the way he was a fantastic dumbass. He was a lovable doofus, but I just want that personality infused as a heel with an edge. If he can marry the two things that make him unique and charismatic, he can be a star. There's a balance that needs to be struck here in WWE on the main roster. And I thought I saw some of that when he lost the Money in the Bank briefcase last fall and he went off on Ziggler and Seth Rollins. I loved that intensity. And then he falls back on some crutches that I'm not a big fan of. But I know that theory that can be a lovable dumbass with an edge is there somewhere. He just got to find it. It's not too late. So I'm looking at him. And I see a young Randy Orton in, like, physique and demeanor. And I see a booking of a young Edge with a title cheating and kind of screwballing his way out of scenarios like the Elimination Chamber with the title when he really shouldn't have gotten out of it in the first place, in the second place. And having these legacy matches kind of like the Mick Foley match that Edge had and Randy Orton had with Edge and John Cena is kind of Austin Theory's Mick Foley in a lot of ways. Uh, I Austin Theory has to beat his ass, like he really does. There's no other. There's no other thing. And in addition to that, Austin Theory has to stop coming off as playing pro wrestler and playing his character and actually fully embracing it because he was exposed for all the things that we've all been seeing that we don't believe in him because he doesn't believe in him it was spot on criticism and i'm not sure it benefited him but it can you know like it's not what happens now it's what happens next with him and if he won't be able to bounce back with it then people were wrong and he is not going to be the future of this company. This is a big spot. He is given the big responsibility. I think he has the potential. I think he could be a cornerstone of the company for the future to come. But this is the make or break moment. They've invested two and a half years in this guy. And they are putting him in with John Cena at WrestleMania for the elevation spot to get him to the next level. How far he reaches from that next level is going to be purely up to him because they're giving him every opportunity to succeed. Every opportunity. Not a lot of people get a John Cena match. Certainly not young 20-something that are considered the future of the company. Exactly. Let's ask a good question. When was the last time John Cena wrestled a full match at WrestleMania? 2019? He appeared as a rapper. He did not wrestle. Was it WrestleMania 31 against Rusev? Was that his last complete WrestleMania he performed at? I think it was. Because he was injured at Dallas and he came out. Did he come out with The Rock? No. No. But he he wasn't on the show. And there was a speculation he might be. And then, yeah, I guess so. The mixed tag at WrestleMania 33 in Orlando. Yeah, that was, he just got beat. But then he had the, the mixed Bray tag with Wyatt Nikki Bella. Match. 
that was the WrestleMania whole, the 30. weird ass Bray Wyatt like uh Muscle Man uh Twin Peaks shit. The avant garde at the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, WrestleMania yeah. at the PC. And then what did he do last year? Anything? He he didn't do anything last year. He was not at WrestleMania last year. Oh, that's right. That's why he had to do the match at the end of the year on SmackDown to to keep the streak alive. Okay. Yeah. Then we have the mixed tag with Nikki Bell and himself with Miz and Maurice and in the proposal that never was. Huh. I honestly would not have guessed that. I just figured like he had something in there at, at all that time. But I mean, the dude has had has done everything at Mania. I was at his like I was at 21 where he won the title from JBL. Like, I saw the world title win, his first one. And even then, I had no idea this guy was going to be, what, a 16-time world champion? Mm-hmm. Just amazing. Crazy. And now and he's going to do back. the job for Theory. In LA. Oh, what a world. In a, in a bigger venue. And this is, honest to God, the first full, serious match Cena's had at a WrestleMania since WrestleMania 31 in Santa Clara back in 2015. He's going to do the job about 60 miles north of where he had his first singles match ever in Santa Ana, California. Wow. This is big for Austin Theory. Could be. This is big for Austin Theory, sir. You got to step up. And Jeremy has some sound advice. You got to kick this man's ass. You talked about you like this. You got to maim him. You got to own him. Beat his ass. You have to. I don't want to see it, but you got to do it. It must happen. You have to elevate yourself by destroying one of the greatest to ever do it, to earn his respect and to bounce back after it's over because you want to be in a better position than you're in right now as U.S. champion and beating John Cena is definitely the way, but it's got to be a decisive beatdown. I think it can be done. He has a world of potential. I truly believe that, but he's got to believe it. Yeah, I just... Compel us, man. Compel yourself by compelling us. Because Kevin Owens preached the word to him several months ago, too. <laughs> he did. He cut the same <laughs> promo just about. Although, when John Cena does it, you know why John Cena is John Cena. Because <laughs> yes. <laughs> there is levels you, you to You had to this. get a fire extinguisher for that microphone by the time he was done. <laughs> put, put it out. Oh, my God. It was on fire. Oh, my gosh. There's levels to this. This is why Cena is one of the greatest to ever do it on the microphone. And then, you don't want to go to battle. Look over Cody. Just, you know, <laughs> at the very end, of like, oh, by the way, this guy deserves all your respect and all your love. Give him the hug. They're throwing out. Like, they're on the same level. You're just like, yeah, Cody, go kick Roman's ass. The ultimate co-signage, the passing of the torch... And it was great. Like, he knew, like, hey, here's a worthy WrestleMania main eventer in Cody Rhodes. Here's somebody that can take my spot as the white meat baby face superhero, Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare. And then I will go to his training facility and talk to his students because he really is the shit. Just every, every, baby faces being baby faces. You gotta love it. Absolutely. So I love that co-signage as well. And Cody probably beamed and cried backstage like, oh, my God, 
I waited for this for so long, dating back to my time in OVW. And look, Cena acknowledges me and I am going to main event WrestleMania and probably win. Adrenaline in the coal. Got to give it, got to give you adrenaline in the coal when that happens. I caught that, Jeremy. Very clever. Very clever. <laughs> As we Here now get to, I love that for you and for me too. As we get to now the main event angle of Monday Night Raw, it was Sami Zayn versus Jimmy Uso one-on-one. Sami gets the jump on Jimmy early on, and it's a competitive, fun matchup with one too many commercial breaks quickly for me. We come back from picture in picture, and then we have Jay Uso appear in the crowd, making his way down the stairs, over the barricade, and on to the announce table. And Jimmy's like, hey, bro, you're here. But Jay is stoic on the table as Sami Zayn rolls up Jimmy for the one, two, three. After the match is over, we have a confrontation between Jimmy and Jay Uso. And Jimmy is waiting for Jay's decision. And Jay is looking at Jimmy and he's holding on to him for a moment. And he's like, um, this is a very difficult decision for me to make. I got to look at my brother, my blood brother, my twin. He grabs onto the shirt and then he walks away. And the fans don't know what to think. So we have Sami Zayn at ringside taking in the scene. And Jay is eyeing down Sammy and they're looking at each other and the fans are buzzing in anticipation for what Jay is going to do. And Jimmy is like, what is he going to do? And Jay looks at Sammy and he embraces him and they hug and these fans go crazy. They're cheering, chanting for Jay Usi and the Usos and we're the ones and Jimmy's in the ring crestfallen, heartbroken, on his knees. He cannot believe this. But, you know, in my soul, I thought to myself, you know, a part of me wants to wait until Friday to see the other shoe drop. But the moment Jay created separation between himself and Sammy (laughs) when he threw up the ones, I was like, I know it's going to happen. I am preparing my body for it right now. I hope Sammy can see through his peripheral because he got super kicked by Jey Uso and the fans just died figuratively. They were so sad, but this betrayal, it was a great turn. Yeah, the shocked crowd cannot believe what happened. And Jay tells Sammy, this is family shit. Did you ever think I was going to pick you over my blood? You must have been out of your mind. And he grabs Sammy, throws him in the ring. And we have Jimmy, Jay, solo jump on Sammy until Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare, anointed by John Cena, comes out to make the save to wrap up the show a little over the top of the hour. But I love this angle so much. Jay Uso, I know there's a meme going around for Best Supporting Actor especially on SmackDown on Friday, this guy is so great with his face, with how he carries himself, how he tells a story. Because let me tell you something, Jeremy, deep down in his soul, he knows that Sami Zayn is correct. But Roman Reigns basically put a hit out on his brother. If you don't bring him back home, I'm going to kill you. So he had to do what he had to do. Because deep down in his soul, he knows that Sammy found a way out. He can take care of himself. His brother cannot. So therefore, he had to stand in line for the family for now. And we'll get into this more on SmackDown. But I thought this was brilliant from start to finish. The uh, the tragedy of it all is what makes it far more compelling than just good guys and bad guys because the shades of gray that everyone is going through, 
Jay didn't want to do it, but he knew he had to. And when he did, he committed fully. Sammy believed naively, incredibly naively, that uh, this was all going to work out and that he could compel everyone and win everyone over. And, you know, it was going to be enough. Now, we need to give Jimmy Uso his flowers. Because without him in this whole segment, with him just the betrayal and dropping to his knees and, and, and watching and seeing his brother join Sammy and just like just realizing he was a dead man and that he lost his brother and all these things. And then the smile that creeped on his face when Sammy got super kicked to his doom <laughs> and uh, all the way to Cody coming out. You know, it was a perfect segment. Everybody was positioned in exactly the way that it needed to be. There is no Roman. So Cody comes out and he comes out as a figure that stands tall over the entire rest of the bloodline who retreats upon his sight. You know, like you have created the tiers and by proxy who is in the hierarchy of who stands tall above each other. And you're doing it with subtle hints and positioning and the way that the angle is playing out. So everyone was fantastic tonight. But Jimmy Uso, without him as the linchpin bringing it all together, it wouldn't have hit as hard. And he did not have quite that role in any of the other segments, even though he has been an amazing supporting character while Jay has been off doing his Jay decision thing. So kudos to Jimmy Uso. What a guy. Credit. I have to say when his face went from like heartbroken to the jackal, like the hyena <laughs> from the Lion King, like he was like, ha ha, it again. this is Mubaka. fresh meat. Ooh. Yes. Say it again. <laughs> It was perfect. He was the perfect hyena that was ready to feast on Sami Zayn. His face and, in that moment was perfection. And I will tell you this, there are times where we criticize WWE for the multiple camera cuts and, and just the rapid fire, but they get the shot. They always get the shot. And it's just, if they hadn't got the shock in, in this angle, it wouldn't have hit as hard, but they get the shock and they've been doing so for a very long time. Every angle is perfect. There's no shaky camera work or camera cuts anytime regarding a bloodline turn a moment in time. This is just great stuff. The best storyline in professional wrestling today, bar none. It got even better on Friday, but this angle was a great way to end the show. Had me in my feelings a little bit because I love the bromance between Jay and Sammy. They will reunite someday very soon because I still think in my heart that Jay needed to do this for his brother. He knows Sammy's going to be okay, but he knows a long game is stick close to Roman, then you will plan your attack when it's time, preferably at WrestleMania. It's coming. It's coming. Mm-hmm. We'll get to more Bloodline story later, but let's take a trip down to NXT Roadblock going down this past Tuesday from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. Now, for the last few weeks here on this show, we have read NXT for filth. It has not been a very good show, but 
in the last couple of weeks, marked improvement as we continue that road to stand and deliver. So Jeremy, after you have basically said, and I have said, NXT has existed on Tuesday nights for the last month or so. What are your quick thoughts on Roblox in terms of, hmm, I kind of care about this show again. The good was good and the bad was hilariously bad. And let's, we'll go from there. I can't wait to pick out the really bad, but let's start with something I thought was good, which was the jailhouse street fight between Dijak and Tony D'Angelo. And Dijak is such a great worker. I love his look. As I keep saying, I'm not a big fan of the just for men hair dye. I love him as a blonde. Just saying the Punisher gimmick for me is still grating, but as a worker, he's great. And I want him to have a sustained push on this show. Tony D'Angelo best match since he's returned from his knee injury Late last year, he looked good in this match. Love the suplexes on the floor. The chair spot in the ring, the superplex off the top of rope, the Dijak by D'Angelo was pretty smooth. There was a very funny moment when Tony D'Angelo accidentally broke the table prematurely because he's thick. The, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the peach bottom was breaking that table very fast and Dijak came through with the springboard elbow to smash him through the table. We had stacks at ringside causing trouble throughout Dijak at one point held him hostage in the jail cell saying, who do you care about more beating me or your guy? And ultimately stacks gets free, gets hit with the spin kick by Dijak. And then Tony D is going to hit Dijak repeatedly with some steel chair shots to the back. Dijak hits a low blow on Tony D. He goes to feast your eyes. And then here comes stacks once again, eats the finisher as well. But in doing so in a very slight spot, he throws a crowbar to Tony D in the jail cell Tony D fights back, wax, Dijak earns the man that's all about justice on its head by throwing his ass in jail and latching the door shut to win this jailhouse street fight. I enjoyed it. It was a fun spectacle. And I like Dijak. Hate the gimmick. Love him. Same thing with Tony D and Stax. Love them. Hate this one hate this one-dimensional mafia gimmick, but. I see the vision for what they can be once they remove themselves from this crap. All right. So there are a couple things about this that make me somewhat amused. We have essentially a vigilante cop versus a mobster in which the cop is the bad guy and we're sympathizing with the mobster, the criminal, if you will, who maybe like nine months ago, murdered his under guy, threw him off the river, killed him, killed him dead. This is, this is our baby face now. And uh, the, the way that we have figured out he is baby face is that he will make sacrifices and save his under guy, uh, Stacks, Channing Stacks Lorenzo. However, he never saved Channing Stacks Lorenzo. Channing Stacks Lorenzo killed himself over and over, and over, and over. He took a worse beating than either one of these guys did in this match. Dijak killed Stax. Absolutely killed him. It was hilarious, if you really think about it. Uh, the whole dynamic, once you, like, turn your brain on, was a little silly. But once you turn your brain off and just watch this match for the dynamic of these two guys going at it, 
it was a lot of fun. And I was really thankful you explained where that crowbar came from. Because I was like, where the fuck did that crowbar come from? What the hell? Like, that wasn't in there a second ago. So I appreciate that explanation right there because I really didn't know where that came from. Uh, I think we're moving forward now, and it looks like Tony D'Angelo versus Wes Leal maybe be the uh, standard deliver match, which could be a pretty interesting choice if that's not, or at least a direction they go for in the for go for in the future. Uh, I do appreciate every so often the jokes about Dijak seeking retribution. Uh, I think that's a <laughs> kind of a cruel slash brilliant troll of him. And uh, just, I don't know who that's trying to pop, but I am amused in the meantime. <laughs> it's it a was a fine match. Inside joke. Uh, it was. It was, it was a roadblock in my viewing until I got through the rest of the show. <laughs> I love the pun. I truly do. But a highlight for me, Jeremy was actually after the match when T bar went on Twitter. Did you see the tweet by any chance? No, <laughs> because see, Dijak is a funny dude on social media. Finally get the T bar name removed from his handle. So he says, I now know how Dominic Mysterio feels being on the inside. Wow. You know, it's a far better way of tweeting than some of the uh, questionable tweets about superiority that he would, uh, that he mistakenly posted with, uh, without consulting better judgment uh, in the past. So yes. I, I am on board with those kind of shenanigans from one Dominic Dijak. Yes, I am glad he has cleaned up that element because it was a choice a few years ago. Ooh. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Rough times. But he's learned a valuable lesson since then. I hope so. <laughs> I would hope so, too. Cause, I mm. hope so. I have not mm. seen evidence that would confirm that, but I'm just <laughs> going to assume the best. <laughs> I, I will say I think he's learned since then. I think he has. Dis discretion is probably the better part of Fowler in this case. What absolutely. I don't know will probably just be for the best. Yes. Yes, absolutely. As we segue to... A beautiful mess of a match involving the Cree <laughs> brothers and Braun Breaker, the NXT champion versus Inda Shears, Vera Mahan, Sangha, and Jinder Mahal. This match was a hot ass mess. It was a big hoss battle, but I loved it. I love the trio of the Creed brothers and Braun Breaker. We had stereo lucha flip dives with all three onto Inda Shear at one point. Then things took a horrible turn because... I don't know what was being attempted. There was supposed to be some kind of extra doomsday device and Brutus and Braun Breaker simply fell off the apron without <laughs> any explanation. And I was befuddled. Like, oh my God, the match is falling apart. Julia's selling for a little bit for Indashir. Then Brutus comes in there lumbering and doing the absolute most. He tries, but he was off his game after that apron spot that went awry. But then we get back on track with some insane hops by Braun Breaker and Julius Creed. So Braun gets a high tag. It's a double springboard moonsault on Sangha. Then Julius Creed, who I think is going to be a superstar of the highest order someday, is going to casually, off the top rope, hit a 450 splash on Sangha for a near fall. Like, Julius Creed, sir, 
you are him eminently you got hops i mean the only thing that was left in this ring when it was all over was a bunch of ground beef left that you could make for meatloaf because <laughs> they just squashed <laughs> each other over and over and over again it was a beautiful mess it had no business working as well as it did being as ugly of a match as it was at times but at other times just being a big old hawk fight between six dudes that were just you know, Jinder Mahal was the worst guy in this match. Yes. And it was because he wasn't willing to go beefy with the way that uh, Indusher and uh, the other guy did. Uh, just Creed Brothers, man. Braun Breaker. Just th- there was a moment here that kind of had Shield versus Wyatt family vibes where it was mm-hmm. just like you knew that all six of these guys were just about to beat the piss out of each other. And they did. And Creed Brothers have gotten exponentially better over the last year. I remember thinking about their match at the TakeOver or whatever it was where the UK talent were coming in and they were wrestling a few of the matches and they lost their titles around September and how sloppy that match was to versus now, and you're just... These guys have come a long way. I think Braun Breaker, he can go up to the roster at any time. Just just a lot of fun watching these guys beat, beat, beat some ass against each other. Just fun. Loved it. It was fun. It was so good. I loved it. I love this trio's team. Can they get belts for these three? I just want to see They them were matching just... colors, too. It was so yeah they were matching blue the singlets were on point then we had Indusheer kind of fight back on Julius with that choke slam lariat combination and then ultimately Braun is sparing Jenna Mahal and Sangha and then we get the doomsday Brutus bomb to Vera Mahan surprisingly enough to get the win so that was pulled off perfectly it was a mess but I loved it it was a beautiful train wreck of a match when Julius put him up on his shoulders there was a moment of like you cannot do a one-winged angel you you cannot you are not allowed to do that move you will you will get destroyed don't do it and then his brother did the ball and i was like okay <laughs> but there was a moment there like i can see you doing it and it would probably be pretty awesome but you would make a huge mistake in doing that <laughs> Yes, that's like asking like for everyone to come for you with pitchforks. But the yes. fact he had this big dude on his shoulders with zero problem, like he could have pulled that shit off. It would have been impressive. Okay, Doug. Oh my God. I love just, them. They're unreal. I just stay healthy, boys. Don't break your mm-hmm. back. Don't break your neck. Please don't. Please. Especially Brutus. Julius, I like I keep saying, this guy is going to be a star. The things he can do casually for hops for days my god oh he is going to be a star standing on the uh standing on the side of the uh side by the audience where they're all just roaring and like ripping off their their singlet and it's like fuck man you guys kill anybody (laughs) (laughs) i thought that from the moment i saw them on nxt 1.0 during the dying days when I first saw them, I thought to myself, I love the violence of the Creed Brothers. <laughs> they're so green, but I can't take my eyes off of them because they're compelling. When the Creed Brothers and Braun Breaker become heel meathead bros, I cannot wait. Oh, oh. my God, I cannot wait. 
That's going to be some good stuff. I can't wait either. It's going to be great television. Just a trio of badasses that's going to rip up everybody. Oh, It'll probably perfect. be very similar to Team Angle. Mm-hmm. I agree. I that can see be, that. That would be very awesome. I would be very into that. Me too. So let's manifest that too. I would love to see it very, very soon. Could be teased heading into Santa Deliver. We shall see about that. But let's talk Steve about it. Ooh, I like that. If we get the Steiner name, shit. Can Why we get not? Rex Steiner back? Can we change Why the name? Just Please. It. it doesn't matter. Just make it. Just, just unify the wrestling world. Please. Rex Steiner. Because Braun Breaker as a, as a WrestleMania marquee? Uh-uh. Rex Steiner? Huh. Yes. You you got Shawn Michaels stealing everything from his old playbook. Why don't you just <laughs> steal from another playbook at the same time? Doesn't matter. Exactly. This guy used the same playbook twice in one show, which must be commended, <laughs> as we'll get to Sean right now. Walker HBK in honor of Scott. So I'm going to be bold, Jeremy, and say that we witnessed by far the greatest Grayson Waller effect ever. Do you agree or disagree? I mean, that's a low bar. There haven't been a whole lot of great Grayson <laughs> Waller effects, but... Um... It was certainly better than the one with uh, J.C. Jane. Or... There was one a few weeks ago with all the women that was just super awful. Uh, do you know? Remember, do you remember what I'm talking about? Yes, it was horrible. No lies. Yeah. Uh, and then that was so bad that I blocked from memory all previous Grayson Waller effects. So by the transitive properties, yes, this has to have been the best Grayson Waller effect ever. <laughs> it definitely had the most heat. Um, I love in this era of professional wrestling that legendary status for Shawn Michaels includes We Sing Your Theme Song, which never happened until now. Yeah, that audience, bunch of homers. I love them, but that is a bunch <laughs> of homers audience. <laughs> you don't take much to get them to pop. It, it, doesn't, no. it doesn't at all. And you're just like... Shawn Michaels, he was he was trying, but it was he was following a script of an old dude, and it was just it didn't work in a lot of ways for me personally. But I liked where we got to in the end. Me too. I so, agree. It, yeah, walk us. It kind of started off kind of rough. It kind of sort of kind of rough for me, you know, because, you know, it was like Grayson Waller talking about, oh, it's all about me. It's all about NXT being about me. And I'm supposed to be in the main event of Stand and Deliver. And I'm the brand. And Shawn Michaels is like, no, you're not. We are NXT. You know, the rah-rah speech. And then Grayson Waller gets very personal talking about Triple H's heart attack from a couple of years ago almost. I'm like, oh, dear. This is getting dark very fast. I don't want to discuss this. It's very morbid. And Sean says, yes, my best friend had a health condition and I stepped in, but I'm leading the ship now. And Grayson says, yeah, right into an iceberg that you don't know what you're doing as the leader of NXT. 
And Sean talks about how we are NXT is not about you. It's a collective going back from the OG days of Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, Sami Zayn, DIY, the Undisputed Era to Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair to where we are today with Braun Breaker and Roxanne Perez as our champions. You're part of that too, Grayson, but you're not the picture. You're not the whole ideology of what NXT is supposed to be today. And Grayson Waller goes in on the brand, runs down NXT. Shawn Michaels is fed up. And he talks about how Grayson Waller is trying to do the thing everybody does around this time of year, challenge him to a match at WrestleMania, because that's what people do. Whether you are a legend or up and coming star, you want a piece of HBK around this time of year. And I've turned them all down except that one check in Saudi Arabia that was too big to resist. And you shaved your head. It was a terrible match. And you want to forget that like Men in Black with the Flash thingy. Totally understand, Sean, because that shit sucked, even though you tried your best to hold that shit together. But I'm going to let all of that go. So (laughs) Sean says the Brinks truck comes to his house and knows his address by heart because it keeps coming by every year. But he's not going to give Grayson Waller what he wants. But he knows somebody that bleeds NXT, that bleeds black and gold, that will give Grayson Waller what he wants at Set and Deliver. And it's none other than the man Grayson Waller shoot away from NXT nearly two years ago with several chair shots at the back and a violent attack. It is Johnny Gargano. He comes out to a hero's welcome, a big pop. He jumps on Grayson Waller and he gets a measure of revenge heading into their match at Stand and Deliver. I love the full circle moment of it all because Johnny Wrestling was here back in December 2021 saying goodbye for now. And now he gets to come back on the guy that beat him out of NXT, literally. And I like that. So all in all, I love the payoff. And for once... Johnny Gargano is going to get that proper love on NXT once again that he has not gotten quite as well in the main roster because it has sucked for him from a booking standpoint. Too sophomoric and corny for me. But Elimination Chamber reminded us, God damn it, Johnny Wrestling is still great. Number one, what a flex by Shawn Michaels to just casually say, you know, every year they back up a Brinks truck to my house. See if I'll, this will be the year that I'll do a WrestleMania <laughs> match. I usually say no, but it's nice to know I have the option. Jesus, man. What a what a way to be Shawn Michaels on that one. That's just awesome. Good for him. He just say no. Move on with his life. Okay, so now we have Johnny Gargano. I went back and I watched the video of his goodbye back in December of 2021. And uh, Grayson Waller comes out, takes a chair to his back as Johnny Gargano saying goodbye, throws him to the outside of the ring, puts a chair around his neck, fully open, throws him chair legs first into the steps, then power bombs him into the announce table and tells him, This is my time now. This is my NXT. It is my opportunity. And you know what? We got to. Eh, 15, 16 months later, what's he done? He's not the guy. He's not in charge. It's not his NXT. Braun Breaker and Carmelo Hayes and Roxanne Perez's NXT more than anything else. And if anyone's to blame for that, kayfabe or otherwise, it's him. And being told to look in a mirror and say, it's not us, it's you. A lot of people don't like hearing that. The icing on the cake for the fans, 
is that the guy that we all forgot that was going to get the send off the wait to see it all play out Triple H style long term planning, whether he planned it or not, irrelevant. It worked out this way. We get Johnny Gargano. Hopefully, he just whips Grayson Waller's ass, and then Grayson Waller can move on to mid-card relative success on the WWE main roster because I think we've seen the ceiling of what he can do in NXT and there are people that are probably coming on the way up that uh, need that time that he has already taken in the spotlight and we'll see what he does next. But, you know, if this is the end of the chapter for Grayson Waller in NXT, it was perfectly fine. Maybe a little bit better than Baron Corbin. And I think he's got prospects better than Baron Corbin in the future, but that's kind of the level that I see him out of the future. I agree. And, you know, Scott kind of made a bold prediction that Grayson Waller could be the next Miz. And Grayson Waller, from an Ring standpoint, is far better than the Miz. Yeah, you know, the Miz is a great comparison. Um, he's not going to be around forever. Uh I don't know how much they're going to pay him that much forever because, you know, (laughs) Miz is a very successful wrestler, and I'll leave it at that. But uh, he has the potential to uh, supplant uh, very much a Logan Paul vibe about him. He he has the opportunity to catch fire, and as much as he wants to believe and and convince people on social media that he is a big deal, he is not quite yet. But that is not to say that Grayson Waller can't be a big deal in the future. It's all about the work he puts in and the work the WWE puts in. And right now, he does not appear to me to be a top priority in the company, but someone that they are invested in and hopefully will pay off big in the future. Absolutely. And that is a great role for him at this stage in the game. And I appreciate that. And Grayson Waller can handle himself very well as he has so far in NXT. Pretty good wrestler, great talker. But I think it's time for him to move on. And Johnny can facilitate that or we'll put that ass. I send and deliver way early in the morning, Jeremy, at 10 a.m. Pacific time on Saturday, April 1st. Breakfast and wrestling? Sure, why not? Yes. <laughs> I can do brunch at, at the most. I can with some mimosas. Cup of and coffee something. and a breakfast burrito. <laughs> You'll be good to go. And then I'm just, just ready to go. This is, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, is my, this is my formula for success. <laughs> oh, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Gotta need that fuel to wake up this early to watch wrestling, especially driving to see wrestling at 10 a.m. in the morning. My God. I, yeah. I couldn't do that. I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I would not be. I, I applaud anyone doing the Los Angeles WrestleMania uh marathon i'm gonna go to vegas for double or nothing and i'm i don't know how many plans i'm making i'm looking forward to seeing a lot of people but oh the los angeles uh tour of wrestling shows slash everything going on there just two nights of wrestlemania i'm good that that's a lot i'm i'm an Mm -hmm. old man and i do not like that (laughs) i don't blame you at all i appreciate the honesty I've been there, done that. I've been to plenty of WrestleManias. It appears that there is no shortage of people in demand of going to those shows. I will enjoy it from a couch view, and it will be awesome. (laughs) The best view in the house, your house, and I love that. 
as we segue to the main event of NXT Roadblock involving the NXT Women's Champion Roxanne Perez versus the legend Miko Satomura for the NXT Women's Championship, this was probably speaking the best women's match since the reboot of NXT back in September 2021. This was Roxanne's greatest match to date. Miko Satomura is a fucking legend for every reason described. This was a really good match. They got time because I was a little worried because we went to a picture and picture break immediately. Like, what the hell? We're going to get a five minute main event here. But we got a good 10 to 12 minutes of action, which I greatly appreciated. It was hard hitting. Miko laying in those shots, trying to be the teacher to Roxanne being the student who trained with Miko the last couple of weeks to prep for this match. And she was ready. She took the shots, absorbed them, fired back when need be, loved the hair, extra curly and deteriorating throughout. And she was working her ass off. We had Scorpion rising twice for Miko in the ring and on the floor at one point as Roxanne goes to pop rocks, but it backfires. The actress goes back in the ring, top rope action. Miko goes for a splash, but she gets the knees, courtesy of Roxanne Perez. And this is just a back and forth battle between two really strong wrestlers. But ultimately, Mika goes to Scorpion Rising one too many times, and Roxanne Perez rolls her up to retain the championship, leverage pinfall. After the match is over, Mika is going to grab that championship belt and present it to Roxanne Perez. In the ultimate show of respect, Roxanne accepts. And then to pull a Shawn Michaels from 1995, she collapses immediately. And I got to give Roxanne props. She sold the hell out of that collapse. She was down and out. Booker T leaves commentary. We got paramedics coming out there. Miko in shock, Miko's in shock in the corner. Shawn Michaels makes another cameo appearance. We have Roxanne on this stretcher. The fans are hushed inside the PC. They can't believe what they're seeing. And then she gets the ambulance treatment all the way to the hospital. But I thought to myself, hmm. Tiffany Stratton kicked off this show. I thought she was going to jump her for ultimate heat. Instead, we get this. I understand it because Roxanne trained and trained and trained, and she probably got tired and got knocked out. But I thought this was a bit much. Oh, uh, yeah. I 100% agree. I fucking hated the end after uh, an amazing match in which both both Roxanne Perez and Mika Satomura just came off looking like absolute stars. I had to watch this match twice because I watched it first time and I did not pick up the nuance that led them to the finish of Roxanne Perez collapsing from sheer exhaustion. There are a couple of fundamental things that I do not like about this, and that is treating Roxanne Perez like a young underdog champion after five months of, of this and being on the roster for a while makes no sense to me. This is not the story that she needs to be presented with. She just needs to be presented as the best women's wrestler on the NXT roster because flat out, uh, besides Mako Satomura, she probably is. And that's the story that you need to be telling with her, not, you know, she's being pushed to her limits each time. And can she can she bounce back after this overwhelming challenge? We get it. She's young. We get it. You think that she's uh, inexperienced, but she's not. You know, like she, she just had a four-plus star match main eventing NXT with Mako Satomura in which 
she kept up with Hadamura every step of the way. And she is portraying the pro wrestler that is the underdog and gutting out these wins, even though she is talented enough to be the wrestler that is presented as the dominant champion on the brand. That's my biggest thing about this is just making her look weak. Actually, it's not my biggest thing. The biggest thing I have is the injury afterwards uh, and the way that the audience, uh, the way that they co-opted the audience to make them believe that it was real, even for a brief period of time. I don't know if you've ever been to a wrestling show in which somebody has been injured and they had to do something about it during the show. Uh, It is not fun. It is devastating. It takes you out of the show and to do that to an audience and to play off that and to do that is somewhat disgusting in a, in a bit of a way, if you choose to think about it like that. And did leave a little bit of bad taste in my mouth. I have not seen a whole lot of pushback because it is pro wrestling. There are injuries, but there are stories about how the NXT audience is basically held captive there while it's filming and you have to be bust in and bust out and you're there the whole time. The idea of being prone to these injury angles and, you know, treating it like it's real, even for a brief period of time, kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, and I did want to mention that while we're on, do, on the topic. I can totally understand that. That was a bit much for me. Like sometimes you do a little bit too much. That was a little bit too much for me as well. I would have preferred Tiffany to jump Roxanne Perez. Let's get some heat heading into this championship match at set and deliver. Give me a reason to care. We took it all the way to the ambulance. I was like, okay, this is, mm, I'm not a big fan of that because I am sensitive towards real life injury angles. And this one didn't land for me as well. It made her look a little bit weaker than she needed to be. And I am a big fan of Tiffany Stratton. I'm not necessarily sure she needs to win the title from Roxanne Perez at Stand and Deliver, but she is the obvious contender. And if you were to give her a uh, run with the title, that would also make a lot of sense. You could go either way with it, but she is the next, she is the next big challenger. I believe Tiffany Stratton has a lot more potential than a lot of other people see right now. And she is more ready presented wise as a character, even though her in-ring work needs a little bit more. So I'm excited for the future. I just, I was a little turned off by the way they decided to go forward with the angle tonight. Agreed. It was a bit much for me as well, but great match. Nonetheless, to wrap up a better than usual roadblock, the NXT numbers went up very nicely for this show. And hopefully they carry this momentum heading into set and deliver going down in a few weeks time in LA. But Jeremy, one more note to make. It appears that um, there are no dusty cups heading into this show. Uh, Maybe they're saving it for later in the summer when they don't have anything to do. Because it used to be a 4th of July kind of thing. Yeah, perhaps a great American bash. Ooh, ah. We don't we don't really need a whole lot of breakout classes because there's, you know, they keep premiering people all the time on NFT. So maybe we're getting the Dusty Cup instead of breakout classics this year. I'll take it. And Cody presenting the winner with the trophy live on NXT. Well, Cody's new again. Oh, that would be a moment. So hopefully they're holding off of that for one of Dusty's shows. The Great American Bash later this summer coming to 
USA Network. But until then, let's dive into Friday Night Smackdown on Fox going down to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Now, historically speaking, Pittsburgh has not been the best crowd for WWE shows. In fact, WWE sometimes hate running angles in Pittsburgh because of the lack of heat. Thankfully, that has changed in the last few years or so as we get to regarding our main event segment. But let's jump on the fact that we had a fatal five-way match involving Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Karrion Cross, L.A. Knight, and Xavier Woods in place of Kofi Kingston, who suffered an ankle injury last week on a dive that went wrong. It was a freak accident. He'll be fine in about five weeks' time. But I love the match for what it was. Let's cut right to the chase. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus had a double pin on Xavier Woods and L.A. Knight, and they both won the match. And the fans in Pittsburgh rightfully <laughs> said, they rightfully said, Jeremy, Triple threat, triple threat. They want to see these two horses go up against the big hoss, Gunther, for the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania. And I'm like, okay, give the people what they want. Scrap Daddy Adam Pierce. But Scrap Daddy is going to talk to Gunther backstage because Gunther says, I want a challenger, not challengers. So what are you going to do about this? So... Instead of Scrap Daddy making the sound decision to give the people what they want, he says, well, <clears throat> I am going to book a match next week involving Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. The winner faces Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania. And I'm like, I love these matches between Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, but I want my goddamn triple threat match at WrestleMania. And I swear to God, Jeremy, if this match ends via a fucking count out or a DQ, I will be mad and pissed because all you had to do was give me my goddamn triple threat on the night we asked for it. You know, this angle has been writing itself for months. Since Clash at the Castle, this has all laid itself out. And I truly expect Gunther to lead to his own ruin next week in which he does something and the fallout is both Sheamus and Drew McIntyre are challengers for the Intercontinental title. And then Sheamus will pin Drew for the title so Sheamus gets his title. Gunther is debelted, but does not take a pin or a loss. And theoretically, Gunther would not take a loss until WrestleMania of next year. This all kind of writes itself. I am awestruck that like people aren't completely in agreement with all this because. This is how you do it, right? This is how you check off all the boxes with the match. And we are just, we're just going down the line here. They're, 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 this is all academic. I feel like we are, this is, this is all according to plan. Am I, am I wrong here? This just feels like we, there's no surprises with the WrestleMania card. We're just going down the line. And I'm good with that, actually. Because, you know, the fans want it. 
I hope WWE's listening. Don't swerve. Don't keep Sheamus off the card. That'll piss me off, actually. And you make perfect sense because Gunther does not have to get pinned to lose the championship. Sheamus can win the one belt he hasn't won in WWE by beating one of his best friends in the world in Drew McIntyre. And it will be one of the best matches of WrestleMania weekend when it's all said and done. Don't be too cute. But of course, in WWE, you got to take the long way home and they're going to take the long way home with this angle next week if Gunther gets too cute and gets involved, which I think he will next week and will get the triple threat, which I hope happens because starting value, four and three quarter stars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be magical. And I'm, I'm going to touch on one thing with WrestleMania because I don't get a whole lot of opportunity to talk about it, but... Triple H is going according to plan from his laid out WrestleMania plan that he had from the get-go. He has not deviated whatsoever. Our faith should be lying with the fact that he has booked takeovers for years along the same lines. He has his blueprints. He has his plans. He has not deviated from them. And this might be the only WrestleMania that he ever gets to book. This might be his one legacy. He's not listening to what the fans are doing. He is trusting his gut. Sometimes people are asking questions. Some people are questioning what he's doing. But when all is said and done, it sure does feel like we have the most cohesive, solid, comprehensive, thought-out WrestleMania that we've had maybe since WrestleMania 21. Agreed. And it's never been planned out this far in advance. And the guy has not pivoted one time. And I kind of go back to last year when Vince was still in charge. Because I know there was some fervor online about WrestleMania. Oh, it's going to be a show. It's not going to be this. So sometimes the internet is not going to be the voice of what the majority thinks. And I said this, Scott, and I said it last year. Like, WrestleMania is going to exceed expectations. What happened with this year's card, it was thought out. Is it perfect? No, in some ways, due to Brock and Omos and, and Bobby versus Bray Wyatt. But that was Brock's business decision, which was probably right for him at the end of the day. But otherwise, Paul Levesque stayed the course. Cody's going to win the Warrior Rumble, face Roman Reigns. Sami Zayn gets a shot, Elimination Chamber, loses. But guess what? Neither guy has lost their heat. They're still loved by the fans. They still move numbers. They still sell tickets. So to be able to book this way and have no one lose their heat of momentum through it all, that should be commended. Standing ovation, because that is a rarity when the popular guy, you know, gets the love, but he doesn't lose the heat. He's still over. The other guy who's anointed gets the love, but isn't turned on because of it and i gotta give triple h credit because that is two masters you're feeding and somehow they're eating it's like people forget that the goalposts have shifted up to this point we would just hope that wrestlemania made sense and wasn't like a shit show that was cobbled together with celebrities and and things that just didn't make sense and you know, nothing that we were watching, the Royal Rumble winners wouldn't be the right Royal Rumble winners or a Money in the Bank challenger would somehow be challenging at WrestleMania because that makes sense. All these kind of things that would just be haphazard over the last couple of years. That's not happening this year. And now our expectations are, it's got to be perfect. No, it's got to be well done. If we get a chance for it to be perfect down the line, great. But 
I'm looking for an A minus, not an A plus right now. If I get an A plus out of this WrestleMania, I will be over the moon. But two days, 15 or so matches, if I can call it a B plus, A minus, I'll be so tremendously happy with WrestleMania this year. You have no idea. Me too. I'm not expecting a perf- I'm not expecting a perfect show. I expect a very good show. I'll take A minus two over both nights. Hell yeah. Because it was thought out. It was pre it was pre-prepared in advance. It wasn't thrown together at the last minute. There was thought and care taken behind all of this. And there were a couple of pivots due to some business decisions along the way. But otherwise, the man stayed the course. He didn't pivot, and I respect him for that. One hundred percent. As we segue to the best damn angle in wrestling today as our main event angle, Jey Uso explains it all as he's going to give a reason as to why he turned on Sami Zayn. But let's get to the top of the show because the bloodline always rolls up right before showtime or right at showtime. And it's the Usos and Paul Heyman. And Jay wants to know where Roman Reigns is. And there is a tone in how he says this that perked up my ears a little bit plays into the main event angle. So we come out, it's Jimmy and Jay Uso. And Jay says, you want to know why I did it? The fans are chanting for Sami Zayn and he hears them. And he says a couple of key things. I didn't want to do it, but I had to. Because this right here in Jimmy, that's blood. That's my twin. That's my family. If he's straight on the side of the road due to some AAA issues, I got him. If he needs food on the table, I'm going to give it to him. If the light bills are late, I'm going to pay it. Sami Zayn gets none of that because he ain't family. He turned on us. All he had to do was fall in line. I cannot let my brother get the clip. And we know what that means in lingo because Roman was going to come for him one way or another. So like I said earlier, there is a method to the madness. In my heart, I do believe that Jay honestly views Sammy as his brother, not by blood, but in this case, he's got to protect Jimmy because he went through what Jimmy went through with Roman Almost three years ago, he knows the gaslighting game very well. Long game, you got to prepare in advance, respect that. And I just loved this performance by Jay Uso. So good. Jimmy, supporting actor as well, selling with his face. And he calls out Cody Rhodes to solve, up, to solve the Cody Rhodes problem heading into WrestleMania. Cody comes out suited and booted, looking very fancy, gets pyro. Of course he does. And it's... Little, it's we'll be running late on time on the show. So he's all about less talk, let's get to fighting. He takes off the jacket, gets in on the fight, and then Sami Zayn appears through the crowd over the barricade, attacks Drew Uso from, the, from behind. They get into a brawl through the crowd. The fans, in, the fans in Pittsburgh are hot, which is a rarity for this market, but they're hot for this main event angle as Cody and Sami Zayn shoo away the Usos with a pair of clotheslines. And dare I say, one of the matches on TV could be Cody and Sami versus the Usos on a Monday Night Raw or SmackDown near us very soon, Jeremy. So what do you think? Three more shows before Sami and Kevin reunite? Maybe uh, not this Raw, but the next Raw? That sounds about right. Sounds about right for that. I mean, this is is all go according to plan. Once again, WrestleMania, they are positioning Cody as the top guy, but Cody, like the genius as he is, is making sure to raise Sammy's arm 
at the end of the show, Sammy's doing his arm, standing at the side of the ramp in a talk track. He grabs him, he pulls his arm up, and he makes sure everyone sees that, like, we are we are the baby faces standing tall at the end of this match. I did laugh that Cody had a uh, had a fashion trouble with his shirt trying to get that thing yes. off. You notice at the very end, he literally mm-hmm. had to tear the 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 arm collar off, and he still has the collar on his arm over his watch. And I tried to figure out what it was until I realized he had to tear the shirt off because he couldn't get the shirt off while he was fighting in the uh, in the stand, and the and the uh, camera went away from him. But we're we're getting there. I don't know if WrestleMania Backlash is going to be the six man of Roman and the Usos versus Cody, Sammy, and Kevin. But we are getting Cody, Sammy, and Kevin trios matches. We are probably, if I had any money to bet on it as a prop bet, I would be putting money on Cody, Sammy, and Kevin standing tall at the very end of night two, uh, supplanting the bloodline as the top of the wwe men's food chain and yeah this is all just the payoff is going to be lovely because the payoff is what we all want it to be and it's going to be multiple payoffs multiple payoffs regarding cody winning sammy and kevin winning jay flipping jimmy seeing the light i don't know what solo gonna do but it's all of this layered storytelling of everybody's got a story to tell. Everybody's got a reason for turning and leaving the bloodline or staying in this case of Jay for now. It's so damn good and compelling. And you can see how Jay acts that I ain't really fucking with Roman, but I got to for survival. And I like that. I will say, I thought it was just an average Paul Heyman promo this week. Agreed. Was not was not his finest work, and it didn't need to be because he wasn't the focus. Yeah, it was very yeah. pain by the numbers. I kind of felt that way with this Cody promo segment on Raw a couple of weeks ago too. Last few weeks been kind of missy for me, but he can always turn it on when need be, and he'll be spectacular when the time calls for it. We'll see when Roman next appears on WWE TV as we inch closer to the home stretch for WrestleMania. But a really fun angle once again to wrap up a pretty solid SmackDown on Fox. And this, all in all, was not a bad week in WWE. Some great matches up and down the shows, and the build towards WrestleMania continues. And over two nights, it could be. One of the best Mania weekends ever, very similar to last year, despite night two kind of falling off a cliff due to Vince and Pat McAfee. But we ain't going to talk about that here. Keela, Scott would never forgive us if we didn't talk about Rey Mysterio tonight. Oh, my goodness. Jeremy remembered something. And it's fitting. The Hall of Fame and the Hall of Shame. Yes. I think we save the best for last because Scott would appreciate this segment and Jeremy comes with a sweet recovery. How could I possibly forget that Rey Mysterio is a WWE Hall of Famer, an active wrestler going into the Hall of Fame, rarefied air, gets a great video package, comes out to talk to the people And then, of course, Dominic comes out along with Judgment Day to crash the party to say you should be in the deadbeat father Hall of Fame. 
a hall of shame for never being there for me during sporting events, during hard times. You weren't there for me, dad. So we have a match between Legato and Judgment Day. It's solid. Of course, Dom cheats to win by pinning Cruz Toro at the last possible moment. And then we have Dom inviting his father in the ring for a chit chat without the Judgment Day around. They're still at ringside alongside Legato the Fantasma. And Dominic utters the words that we thought he would at some point. He basically says, I wished that Eddie Guerrero was my actual <laughs> father. And I laughed because the mullet was mulleting once again. And gotta say, the three amigos hip swivel is much improved. So he's learning. <laughs> and he punks at his father once again, but Ray refuses to hit his son. But he's not opposed to sidestepping Dom and having him get out the ring and embarrassing him just a little bit. So the angle continues. But Jeremy, let's think about this. Ray is going Ooh. to the Hall of Fame. Conan is inducting him. How are we going to get away with this on the night before <laughs> with Dom possibly ambushing his father on stage? It doesn't matter what show you book this for at WrestleMania, but the <laughs> angle is straight up happening at the Hall of Fame. It has to be. Like, Ray has to just deck him at the Hall of Fame. It's like, your ass is mine tomorrow night. If he does yes. it, yeah. He 100% belongs in the Hall of Shame, uh, which Wade Barrett coined him tonight uh, on SmackDown when I was watching it. It was like, they fucking buried him as a father on that show. Did you hear that story about when Dom was 15 and Ray wanted to kick him out of the house because he was a shitty kid and that thought that was the only way that he was going to be able to teach him something? Like, this, this was a pattern. They literally dropped this story on the show. Sure, it was planted, but they are making no effort to convince me that Ray is, in fact, a great father. Dom, tearing him apart for the fact that he missed birthdays and Christmases and all the other shit that he missed because he's a terrible dad, is like, yeah, you do have every right to be angry. Maybe you are the baby face in here. Maybe you should be a part of Judgment Day. Maybe I understand why you had to go to jail. You had a shitty father who didn't teach you the right things in life. I get it. Maybe, Ray, if you managed to teach your son some discipline and understand when it was time to be in line and what to do when you are out of line, we wouldn't be in this situation. But here we are, and now it's going to escalate to the biggest Hall of Fame of your career, and you only have yourself to blame. This is on you, Ray. Hall of Shame fatherhood begat your Hall of Fame careerhood with WWE. This is on you. I'm with Dom on this one at this point. Wade, Wade Barrett has convinced me. Dom has convinced me. Ray, you're on the list, buddy. Oh, Lord. So Jeremy's also been converted into Ray Mysterio is a shit father for missing Christmases, oh. birthdays, for kicking son, for almost kicking son of the for almost kicking a son of the house when he was 15 years old due to him being a badass. And Angie had to save her son from the street life. <laughs> and they, then- they have they have convinced me the WWE programming has convinced me that Dominic is in the right here. So. Good job by you. If that was your goal, good job by you. If that wasn't your goal, also good job by you. Either way, it is a compelling story. 
I always wanted this, by the way. I prayed for this for a couple of years. Pray for the Dom turn. I was worried at first, but this little shit's amazing as a heel. He's great. He has done a great job getting legit heel heat on his dad and the Hall of Fame ceremony. You know what, Jeremy? Facts. Gotta say, you ain't lying. (laughs) It is true. Dominic Mysterio is a better heel than Austin Theory, and it's not even close. You know what? Maybe if Austin Theory knew what it looked like to be on the inside for a little bit, we would believe him a little bit more. <laughs> Five hours in county. Okay. It worked Five wonders for Dominic. Than Austin Theory. <laughs> oh my gosh. But it's true though. Dominic is so good. No piped in booze, by the way. All legit heat by him. But I am going to have my eyes peeled for the Hall of Fame ceremony the night before WrestleMania. Because if, if Ray does not check his son and say, I will see your ass at WrestleMania, missed opportunity. That, that's the pop right there. It's like, you know what? I've had it. This is my night. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking set you straight, kid. Ooh. This is actually kind of meta by Paul Levesque. Let's turn the Hall of Fame into a goddamn angle. Why not? I figured it was the minute, the minute he was announced, he came out there and Dominic came out of like, Oh, here we go. That makes sense. Let's do this. (laughs) Yes, it's going to be a legit heartwarming moment within a storyline, and I think that's brilliant. I'm with you. Brilliant. Keep it up. Keep it up, Paul. Yes, listen. These last-minute Hall of Fame announcements are are a try-it, but this one is worth it because the angle the night before is going to be oh so sweet. And with that. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. This this Hall of Fame. Pastor Taker could never. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> but it's now time, Jeremy, to put a bow on the it's show. It's that time. It's that time. It's that time. Like Mark Henry, it's time for us to pick the best damn television, the best damn television match of the week from WWE. So Jeremy, across the land of Raw, NXT, maybe NXT level up, SmackDown Superstars main event. What is your match of the week in WWE? I think I have to go back to that Perez Satamura match. Uh, there were there was that between the Creed brothers and the the six man that the meaty the meaty boys match, but technical storytelling, what they set out to do in the ring, and, and how they told the story, the Perez Satamura match for the NXT Women's Champion on NXT Takeover Roadblock was my pick. And I will co-sign on that. That was a great main event. Miko Satamora and Roxanne Perez did the damn thing. They put on a show, worked their asses off, told a great story. Angle with standing that I did not like very much, but they absolutely busted their asses and gave us a great NXT Women's Championship match. By far the best match in this generation of NXT to date in terms of a great women's division match that stood out in the best possible way. And with that, it's now time to put a bow on this week's wrap right here on the Fiking Media Network. I want to thank Jeremy for sticking around the entire show and actually clearing the very low bar he set for himself because he did a great job talking about the week that was in WWE. I love to under-promise and over-deliver. It has gotten me through well in my life. 
It definitely has. We had a great time today. Great conversations about WrestleMania season, about the shows. The road to WrestleMania continues next week across various shows on USA and Fox. And Scott will be back. And Scott and I will be back next week to cover it right here on the Fiking Media Network. So for myself and for Jeremy, that's a wrap on all things WWE. Have a great week. Take care. Uh, bye bye. <laughs>